Hi, this is Pastor Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. We're walking through the book of Luke, thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, to see the world the way he does, and to integrate his patterns into our life. I hope you enjoyed the sermon today. I also wanted to point you to the description section where you can find the church's website. We would love for you to visit our church and consider investing in our ministry. There's two other links. One is a podcast that I do with a therapist at Renew Church, and we kick around issues like dating, mental health, and friendships. And lastly, there's a children's book series and a journal that I wrote with my wife and my mentor, and we'd love for you to look at those resources as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Renew Church family, and I hope that you enjoy the sermon today. God bless. All right, perfect. You know, uh, I think it's hilarious because when you have different questions, right, I'm always gauging the crowd. And it's really funny when we talk about judging. And this is the same with children's ministry. It gets so loud (laughs) because we all have so much to say, right? Um, And that's okay because I, too, have a confession in front of you all. Um, And so if you don't know too much about me, right? You're seeing me. You don't get to see me all the time. I always talk about tennis uh, because outside of being a pastor, my second ministry is tennis. I'm a tennis coach. Uh, I know, right? Look at us. We're so happy, right? (laughs) It didn't last long, but But when I look at this photo, right, we look happy. Everyone's a great time. It's all big smiles. We're very Asian. Um, (laughs) I know. But this day did not look like this at all, right? And so I confess that, um, like, you guys all have people you judge, and we'll we'll pray about that. Uh, I judge bad coaches, right? And that's not included, right? I'm not included in that category. I'm a good coach. (laughs) And so just last May, or not even last May, last month, oh, my gosh, that quick. Uh, Our boys are in CAF semifinals, and it's the farthest our team has ever gone in our history, right? I know, right? That's how I feel, too. Woe is the right answer. Uh, (laughs) Great coach. Thanks, guys. That was so encouraging, right? (laughs) Sorry. And so we're in our match, right? And it's the semifinals, so you know it's going to be intense. You know that it's going to be a great match. And we're in the second round, and somehow, I don't know how, but somehow our team is only two sets away from winning it all and going to the finals for the first time ever. It was already one thing of going to the semifinals. It's now we have the opportunity, and we're just two sets away. And so for us, we're like, okay, we can do this. Let's go. You feel good momentum. You're hyped. But what if you're the other team? You feel the pressure, right? The other team is up. Like, are we going to lose this? And now we have possibly the most important match coming up, our two best players. We had switched our lineups a little bit just to be strategic on my part because I'm a good coach and I'm smart. Um, <laughs> And so we're in the second round, and we have the arguably the most important set of them all. Our two best players are playing each other. And if we win this, we know their morale is just going to drop. If they win this, they can start climbing back, right? And you never know what can happen. There's enough time. It can switch one way or the other. We can either assure it or 
Well, the opposite, right? We could lose. And so everything's normal. Like, you know it's a tense game. People are going to be tense. Boys call bad calls. Same old, same old tennis stuff. But unexpectedly, I noticed, right, from kind of like, you know, my left ear, and I can only, I'm not that great at hearing, but I can hear from afar, things are starting to get loud. And very suddenly, I hear parents kind of disgruntled. I hear my players kind of like, coach, 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 like, bro, we're going to throw down right now. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then, so I look over to my side, and I see one of the coaches just storm onto the court, right? The other team's coach literally just in the middle of the game of our two best players playing just goes on court. And I'm like, what? are you doing here? <laughs> like, coaches aren't supposed to just storm court. There's an appropriate time, appropriate place. You need to know what's appropriate, right? Coaches aren't supposed to do that. But I should have seen this coming, okay? Like, I know the day was pretty chill, but I kind of just ignored him for the most of the day, and that's what made it nice for myself. But in reality, this entire day, he's been kind of pacing back and forth. So this, the courts are right here, right? There's a fence that separates. And all the coaches, we have to be on the side, outside of the fence. And he's been pacing back and forth, back and forth this entire time, like kind of anxious, nervous. But under his breath, the entire time, you know what he was saying? This team's a bunch of cheaters, right? Now, I coach my boys, right? And I make sure they don't cheat, right? If I see them make a bad call intentionally, and you can kind of tell, like, I make them run, right? I know, right? Yeah, it's only the right way to do it, right? Uh, (laughs) And so, but he's going around saying, my boys are a bunch of cheaters. And he's doing this incessantly, and everyone can hear him, right? It's not really murmuring. It's literally like, this guy's a bunch of cheaters, and he's, like, looking at me. He's, like, death glaring me. And he, like, looks away. This guy's a bunch of cheaters, right? And it's, like, progressive, and it's constantly happening. And I'm just like, bro, you're not even being subtle. <laughs> like, at least be subtle about, like, how you're upset or something. But, no, he's making it clear to everyone. And then as he storms the court, right, I'm just like, I should have saw this coming, <laughs> Wilson's over there, like, laughing because he was at the match. And, you know, everyone is super, like, like fired up. And he's over there in the corner, like, of the bleachers, just like, oh, my gosh, we're about to see a show. <laughs> like, someone going to fight? Like, are you going to see a tennis throwdown? Um, <laughs> I know, I know. And I go into court, and I'm trying to, you know, de-escalate, do the best I can. And I'm like, hey, coach, you can't be here. We got to let the boys run their thing. They didn't ask for a line judge. They didn't ask for help. They're doing their own thing. You know what he says to me? I'm not leaving. And I was like, okay, coach, like, I can't make you leave, but then we just want to be respectful and get the boys' match going. And for some reason, I don't even know how. It's kind of a blur. But he starts having a discourse which isn't really a discourse with my player, and it turns into kind of a verbal altercation. They're kind of saying not nice things to one another, and then I'm like trying to get in behind and be aware. You know that guy in that back with the giant hat who's taller than everyone else? Yeah, he's the one playing. And so I'm like, back away, Roman. <laughs> like, but he's also like twice my size and could beat me up too, but he's ready to throw down. And this coach is just insistent 
on, he keeps talking, keeps like engaging my player. And I tell the coach, hey, coach, we're adults. Like, let's just talk between us. We don't have to involve the students. We'll figure things out. And he just tells me, what do you think we're doing? I'm talking to you right now. And he just has this bravado and, and like unnecessary cockiness. And I'm Ugh! like, this is exactly what a bad coach looks like. Uh, and I can't help but judge him. I can't help but notice that the entire time he was walking around and getting everyone kind of like heated, he's bringing everyone into this kind of tension and this frustration. Uh, and now we're all just like, dude, everyone wants to fight. Everyone's pissed. Everyone's mad. I'm mad and I'm like trying to hold my anger. But this is exactly how judgment blinds. Right? When we look at our text today, it says judgment blinds, right? And you can go to the next slide, right? It says, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? And we kind of saw that happen, right? Where he kind of said these words that weren't so nice. Player gets heated. Parents get heated. I get heated. And the next thing you know, we're all in this kind of place of just anger, this place of judgment. We're looking at each other like, who the heck do you think you are, right? What kind of coach are you? What kind of player are you? And we have these words for each other that aren't very nice. Um, and I know I'm censoring a lot of things right now just for the sake of being in church, <laughs> right? But isn't this kind of familiar? That when we think about when we're at work, or we think about school, even here at church, that sometimes we can look at another person, and all we see, really, is what we want to see out of them. The thing we judge them for, the thing we don't like about them, and we kind of label them and type them in that specific way. The, the hardest thing, too, then, is that well, we don't just keep that to ourselves, right? It's the blind lead the blind. And we bring others into that same conversation. We label them. They start labeling them. We start distancing ourselves. So everyone around us starts distancing themselves as well. And it's this chain reaction where now we're all in the pit, right? We're all judgmental. We're all jerks at this point. And, well, it shows. When um, I look at, oh, sorry. <clears throat> when we're blind, right, and it talks about we're blind, we stop seeing them as we're, what we're supposed to see them as. We see them, yes, as this label, but we don't see the reality, right, that we don't see them as a child of God. We don't see them as a person that actually has good qualities, good parts to them. We just don't see them as a whole. And I would say the biggest reason, and I think what the scripture is trying to get to us, that it's because we don't see ourselves. We don't see ourselves in the fullness of who we are. And that's why when we go to the next verse, right, that's why Jesus is so clear about this parable. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention 
to the plank in your own eye, right? You don't see that you have a plank, right? You don't see yourself. You just see that other person. You see the label you put on them. You see what everyone has put on them as well, but you don't see yourself. And then he goes to say, when you yourself, right, you just don't see it in your own eye, right? I'm oblivious, and it makes sense, right? If you're blind, you don't know you're blind. <laughs> and it, it sounds so ironic, but it's kind of true because that's just a state of being for you. Uh, and that can be for me too, right? You can, tell, you can see like when I was a coach in that moment, I was also blind in my judgment and I was caught up in it. But I think when we look to this verse and this whole unit, right? We just read it. So we get a good idea what it's all saying. It proceeds with something that is actually supposed to be our guiding principle through all of this judgment, right? When we talk about do not judge, when we talk about all these, uh, our spec, when we talk about the blind leading the blind, it's all under this guiding principle of Luke 6, 36. So if you can go to the next slide. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. We can't extend mercy in of ourselves, right? We can't extend forgiveness just within ourselves. We extend mercy, we extend forgiveness when we see that God has done it first, right? He's merciful, he's forgiving, he's loving. And because of that, we can do it just as he is. When I think of kind of me and that coach, right? What I see is this, right? That I didn't have the right perspective, right? And I kind of look back and I'm like, what if I had a better perspective? What if I actually saw mercy, right? And you can go to the next slide, right? And I saw mercy through him, right? I, I saw mercy in my own life, when I see my log, right, that maybe I'm not that great of a coach. Maybe there are moments that I too blunder as a coach. I mess up, uh, I don't say the nicest things, I don't do the nicest things. Kids hate it when I make them run, right? I am the enemy when I make them run. And then what if I took that, recognized it, looked at this other coach and realized, hey, we're on the same page here, right? That when I would know mercy, I would see mercy, I would also see him as someone in need of mercy, right? Sinners all need mercy. Me, him, we all need mercy. And then it's supposed to have this natural uh, occurrence that I would extend mercy. And so as I thought about this, this is what it should be, right? Luke 6, 36, be merciful as a father is merciful. This is what it's supposed to look like. But when I look back, that's just not how I responded. And I know a lot of times when we judge, we don't respond that way. And I want you to know it's okay. Uh, that's why I'm sharing here, right? And so I look back and I'm like, man, Lord, what would have been different and I think the Lord is really good about humbling us in the right time, in the right place, because a week after, something really interesting happened. 
So I get a text, and I remember this exactly a week after because, um, <laughs> because it was my birthday. I know, most important day of the year. <laughs> yeah. And it was the only day I've ever gotten an angry text from a parent. I know, happy birthday, Irwin. <laughs> and it's like literally at 10 p.m., and I'm just like, this is right before I sleep. My day's been great. I feel so loved. <laughs> it's true, though. I really did. So thank you, everyone, you know. Um, and then I get this text right before I go to sleep, and this parent is telling me, hey, my daughter and some of the girls on the team, because I coach the girls' team as well, they think that you don't think it's worth it to coach them. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't respond to the text until later, but in my mind, right, when you see a text, you don't just, like, look at it once. Like, if you, someone calls you, you hear their voice once, it's done. But when you have a text, you read it over and over and over again. And I'm, like, reading this, like, what do you mean? Like, how did this happen? Like, I'm, I do my best to be a great coach. I try to say nice things. I, uh, I try not to blunder, right? But here I have a parent saying that their child feels unvalued by me and that I had either said something, done something to make them feel that way. And for me as a coach, like, that feels really bad. Like, that's exactly where I don't want to be. And yet, that's what gave me the perspective, right? That maybe I did say something hurtful. Maybe I did insinuate something. And I, brought, I was brought back to this, like, kind of, like, small memory. And I think this is where the Lord is really, like, faithful to unblind us. And he showed me a match, now, it seems like super small. Of course, it's a match. It always happens during a tennis match. Every story I share is about a tennis match. <laughs> like, and it was the last match of the season for the girls. And it should have been one we won, but we lost. And I usually try not to say anything bad, so I usually just go quiet. That's usually my tendency. My fiance knows that as well. Like, I just hold my tongue. But imagine me going from someone, a coach, that usually is super outgoing. I love talking to my students. I love talking to my players. I ask them how their days are. Like, it's my ministry, right? And so I want to get to know them. And then all of a sudden, I go from that to I'm quiet. It's like Asian parent 101. <laughs> and, like, they're all Asian, too. So, like, you know, like, it's, like, cultural upbringing. And I didn't realize this in the moment, but... They're all taking me as if I hate them, that I'm disappointed. And that was how we ended that season, right? And two months later, I'm hearing it because it builds up and it hurts. I think that perspective really helped me, though, because it made me realize all these things. I had a log. I'm a sinner, and this, this coach that I at first was like, hey, dude, you, you're all, all kinds of messed up. Well, you know what? I'm all kinds of messed up with you, too. Uh, I learned from my parents how to do the silent treatment, and without even trying, I did it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the whole point of what Jesus wants for us here, right? That when I look at my 
when I think and when we all think of the people that we judge or the person that you feel judged by, are you looking at them through the lens of your own sin and the lens in which you, yes, we are all sinners, yet Jesus forgave. And we experience this forgiveness on a daily basis for all of the things that we do, right? From the biggest of our sins that we just don't share with anyone to the smallest things that just feel daily. And yet we see that Jesus forgives. Can I see this person? Can I see the person I judged? Can I see my enemy, right, in light of God's mercy? And I think that's where we go to the final. And you can turn to the next slide. Verse 37, 38, right? It all encompasses under be merciful as a father is merciful. Now, we can look at this and be like, this is very instructional, right? If you do not judge, this is what's going to happen. If you do not condemn, this is what's going to happen, right? These are actually Jesus' commands. But I want to put us and frame it and how I think the scripture is meant to be read. That after we talk about loving our enemies, right, he summates it with be merciful as the Father is merciful. But also it connects. And so if you go to the next slide, right, and you'll read in verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And then everything else. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Forgive. And give it in great measure, because it all gets measured back. And now when we look at this, and you'll see that I put two things, the dangers of judgment or the blessings of mercy. And it all kind of falls into this, that there's two interpretations we can look at this with. And I think they're like kind of two sides of the same coin. So either we can look at the dangers of judgment, right? And when we think of the dangers of judgment, it's really... And I want to be careful here. It's not a matter of salvation, right? Just because you judge does not mean you are not saved. But I think it is a matter of how much we see the gospel in our life, right? To what extent have we allowed the gospel to be in every part of our life? And how does it then play out? So if we're a community, and I think this is what's trying to allude to, if we're a community that judges others, right, and we mess up, which we can, right? Any church can mess up. What's going to happen? Well, others can also judge us. And I think it would be right in some ways, right? That if we judge, we will also be judged. Everything we do gets measured back. But I think the flip side of the coin, and I think this is actually more of what Jesus is trying to allude to in this passage, is that mercy is supposed to be a blessing, right? Mercy is a blessing where we see the beauty of the gospel in our life. And we see what Jesus commands to not judge, to not condemn, to forgive generously. And it's supposed to overflow, right? It's supposed to be something that for what the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And right, it's pressed down, shaken together, running over, Right? It's supposed to be pouring out of us. Mercy is supposed to pour. 
And I just imagine, right, a community. If we're a community, and I think this is also what the passage is alluding to, if we're a community of mercy, where we just overflow with mercy, we, we go everywhere with this idea of mercy and loving and forgiving. Now, what happens when we see someone with a flaw? When we see someone with brokenness? When we see someone that is sinful and just in need of repair like the rest of us? Well, we're overflowing, and we extend that mercy to them. We don't point at them. We don't exploit them. Actually, no, we hold them, right? We're tender with them. We care for their wounds, and it's measured back, right? It's usually how the church grows, actually. People come to Christ. People know Christ. People feel like this is a community that they can love and be loved in. It's a beautiful image of what church can be. I remember, and this is my last story for today, you know, just to get your... I remember uh, this was years ago. This is in Common Room 1.0. Who here knows Common Room 1.0? Okay, that's, that's like three people, four people, right? And so this is in Common Room 1.0. Right now we're at 2.0, and... It was a small apartment upstairs, and it's just like a one-story, like really small, like 200 square feet. 200 square feet? I want to say 200 square feet. Uh, Yeah. And there are four guys. There's me, uh, Mitchells, and CM. There's another guy used to be a part named Patrick, and then one of our other friends. And we were doing accountability for one of the first times. Uh, And... I was feeling really nervous, right? Like, I remember kind of, like, walking out and, like, going upstairs. I was, like, the first one there. And then just, like, naturally, when you're kind of nervous about accountability, like, we had this book that we're calling, it was called Pure Desire, and it's about, like, sexual accountability, uh, like, kind of seeking purity in our lives. And I looked to where we're going to go, because, you know, that's what you do, right? If you're a good student, everything, you look ahead. And then pretty much the prompt is, like, share your deepest, darkest sin, (laughs) And so, like, I'm already nervous because it's accountability, and I'm supposed to be open and vulnerable, and that's kind of hard already. And now the prompt for today is share your deepest, darkest sin. And my, like, it's like almost like trauma, and I'm like, oh, no. And then I remember one of my friends. So for the lack of anonymity, I, we're calling him Billy because um, I don't want to say his actual name just for his sake. And... Billy is one of my closest friends. I grew up with him. We went to high school together. And now, and he's smart. And so he's over in L.A. going to school. And one of the best things about, like, growing up with someone is we see each other change. And so he goes to L.A., starts going to church. I'm not from a Christian background either. And so I started going to church really late in high school. And the next thing you know, now we're both freshmen in college and we're both in church We're both seeking the Lord. Every time he would come back from L.A., back to the O.C., which is so much better. Um, Just a little jab. Every time he would come back, it would be like, hey, dude, what's God doing in your life? Like, and it would be like this, like, joyous share of, like, man, I see God doing this. And, oh, have you, like, I'm, like, trying to figure out theology and, like, my understanding of God. And he's, like, a nerd, too, because he goes to L.A., you know, he's smart. And so we're talking and having these great conversations. 
uh, about God. And then one day, a few years after, he just kind of comes up to me and he's like, we meet up, we get boba, you know, sitting in his car and he's like, I'm done with the church. My heart broke. And I was like, okay, why, man? And he's like, dude, people in the church are just way too judgmental, right? Now, he never felt like the victim of being judged. He never felt like everyone was against him, but he was kind of the middleman. And he would hear all around, right? He would be in small groups, and then people are sharing their sins. People are sharing and confessing, and it's a beautiful place. And then one small group is done, they're talking about it behind the person's back. They're kind of in confidence, what well, should have been in confidence, they're telling other people. And it's like almost like exposing a person and then just putting them in front of everyone naked. And he was just like, I, would, I don't want to be a part of that kind of community that judges one another, speaks to one, or one another. Like, I, I can't trust these people. And so I go into my accountability thinking that same thing, right? Are they, I'm supposed to share my deepest, darkest sins with you. Are you going to use it against me? If I'm going to share my deepest, darkest secrets with you, are you going to hold it and then make sure that, hey, one day if you do something wrong, I'm going to put this in front of you. I'm going to show everyone. And this is a legitimate fear, and so we know the guys are discerning, and they're like, hey, this is some really deep stuff. Let's just be a little bit more intimate. So Mitchell and our other friends split into one room, and it's just me and Patrick. And Patrick says, you first. <laughs> I know. I hate Patrick. He does that all the time. I actually love him, but he, he's just that kind of guy. I know. You, you can imagine it. They're cousins. So, Yeah. And I'm just stuttering at every word, right? But I, I'm like, okay, but I just got to trust it. <sighs> okay. But I'm legit stuttering. I'm telling him about my porn addiction, uh, growing up with it, feeling like there was no escape from it, that it was like this habit I couldn't break. And it, I just kept going back, and I know it's bad for me, and, but I'm stuck, and I just, like, can't, like, as I'm sharing this, like, my entire time, like, I'm looking at you guys, but I can't look at him in the face. Like, I'm looking down intentionally, I'm stuttering, and you can feel how awkward this is as I talk, and I'm like, I'm awkward, I, I, I don't know what to say, this is really difficult. And the moment I wrap up, I finally, like, lift my head, because now, like, I don't have anything to say, I can look up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not drowning in my own words. And he's just crying. He's weeping for me. And I don't cry very often, but because I saw him cry, I cried too. <laughs> what amazing mercy he showed me in that very moment. And you know what he did after? He shared with me his deepest, darkest sins one of my closest friends throughout college, throughout my young adult life, impacted my love for missions, probably one of the biggest guys that influenced my love for ministry, um, to be a pastor, to be a teacher. 
and one of the solidifying moments in our friendship was that seeing each other's sin, weeping for one another, and it was the most beautiful blessing of mercy I could see in my life where two sinners come together before God, admit their sin, and know they're not alone. Church, we have a decision to make when we read this passage, right? We had the two flip sides of the coin. We can either choose to judge, keep judging, or we can choose to extend mercy. What kind of community do we want to be? Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, there is no going out from uh, what is heavy. But I do believe it draws us closer to you. Lord, that acknowledging our sin is not a means of guilt, but it's actually a means of drawing closer to you. Because we see how great your mercy is for us. And how great your mercy is for another person. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a community. You would draw us to be a community. You would build us up to be a community that extends mercy every day and everything. May it be who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us, on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to to, uh, have you join us again.